We got two hoopers on the set though. Yeah, I can play. I can. Come in, Nick can hoop. I saw, I saw Fred's high school picture, and I know Nick can hoop. No, I can hoop. <laughs> me, me and Nick. I know I can beat you in one on one. Freddie T, there's no way. I know I can beat Freddie you in one on one. I can really bro. hoop though, bro. Man, bro, you move too slow. You I'm gonna do you. I'm, I'm locking him up. He does this all up in your face. People like that, real NBA Hall of Famers. He, uh, do you have any footage? Because I'm, 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 hmm. I'm not biased here. I'll, I'll actually like First off, I, 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 got the, I like it. Receipts. I got the VHS. <laughs> what you mean? <laughs> no, ain't nobody got a tape. That's why you got a VHS. Hey, Channing. VHS. Channing, Klee Elamine. <laughs> That's what he is. Yeah. First off, Klee Elamine was fat. I'm not huh? fat. No, but you got and, a fat back. And why you keep, why you going <laughs> to the booty? No, I'm like, like you, your lower oh, half is Klee Elamine. Yeah, whatever. But I would beat you. I would beat you in a one-on-one. -on -one. That's no way. A thousand percent. I we put, put it on tape. I put a thousand dollars on it. Put ten. That's fine with me. I ain't you tripping. got a lot of jobs. I hey. know what that correlation is. I ain't tripping. You got a lot of money. I want it. Let's do Freddie it. Freddie T? Yeah. Come on, man. Freddie T acting like this already. Didn't you pull your hamstring getting off an airplane? Kenny, Kenny Smith knees. <laughs> no. Listen, I ain't playing no goddamn sports. Don't bring me into this conversation. Getting off a plane? No. We got more important things. <laughs> Would you ever fight a kangaroo? No, they're pretty dangerous, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. But we don't, people think that we see them all the time. We don't see them all. Where I'm from, um, we don't see, we see kangaroos, but they're not like too violent. Well, if like, you go up to it and like look, be aggressive, then it will like, it will try and box you. Like the thing, the guy <laughs> on uh, Instagram, I think the kangaroo had his dog cuddled. Yeah, what do you call it when you cuddle from the back? Spoon. He yeah. was spooning the dog in the water and the man went in the water and fought the kangaroo. Yeah. I'm like, is this real? This yeah, is real. real. Yeah, this stuff in Australia gets pretty wild. It's like Florida. Yeah. Well, in Florida, you look nah. We live they in Florida. They got no. the most deadly. No, no, no. But people that don't live in Florida, they think alligators are waiting behind trees yeah, yeah, for yeah. you and shit. Like you <laughs> yes. think a kangaroo is sitting outside the house waiting to punch you in your face. You gotta go fool with them animals, Fred. Yeah, they're big. They're tall. With muscles. Yeah, they're like they can get they can get big. Can you eat like, like, Yeah, you can eat kangaroo. Yeah. You can eat? Yeah. Like is it normal? Yeah, that's normal in Australia to eat kangaroo. Yeah. Oh, I got to get taste some of that. Like, go ahead like, and say it. They don't smell good. They taste okay, though. <laughs> they taste like chicken? No, 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 no. Like, they're like red, like beef. <laughs> hey, man, first off, this conversation, first, and secondly, though, I'm not, I don't like dogs like that. Like, if they get Zuri, Zuri out of them. <laughs> you, ain't, you ain't fighting the kangaroo? If Zuri jump in the water yeah. with the kangaroo? You're not going in there? It must have been Zuri time to go. She's too dumb to live. Yeah, it's too dumb to live. I'm not gonna <laughs> get in the water and box no kangaroo for you. Yeah. You know, and I'd be like, you know, your daddy don't swim yeah. no way. <laughs> if a kangaroo grab one of y'all ass, I might just throw a rock. <laughs> <laughs> get off of RC. <laughs> leave Red alone. <laughs> Out of there. Y'all gone. Hold up. Limitless. Take a stomach cow pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling got me up. On the mission got me up. Knowing me, I got the key. On the vision, I can trust. Trust. Limitless. Take a stomach cow pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling got me up. On the mission got me up. Knowing me, I got the key. Man, well, Nick, welcome to the show, bro. Welcome to the pivot. This is Freddie T. Respect. Chan. I'm RC. Truly grateful, bro, that you took the time uh, to do this. We try to do our best to get the best personalities in sports, yep. but also on the other side of it, people who have gone through things, come through adversity, so they could tell that story and allow people to connect with them. 
you know, just in watching you play, seeing the highlights, listening to you commentate yep. recently, the personality stands out, uh, you know. Also, when you cut your highlights on, too, most of it that starts, you're cussing folks out, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> and then, obviously, the, the amazing talent, you know, said, well, I think it was Josh, uh, Josh Eagle compared you to Roger Federer from a, a talent standpoint yep. early on in your career. My first question to you, though, is how are you doing? And not like the, hey, bro, yeah. I'm all right. Like, truly, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, from where I was a couple of years ago in the career, now it seems like I'm a bit older. I've played, I've played professional tennis now for like 10, 10, 10 years on the professional tour. So I've learned a lot about myself, but I feel like I'm in a great part of my life. Family, partner, um, friends, circle, everything. So I feel like this is probably the first time in my career where I kind of feel probably the most happy. I didn't think it was possible to be this happy, you know, dealing with everything that I was dealing with. So yeah, that's, that's a bonus. February of 2022, we had an IG post and you talked about some of the things you had gone through and finally finding yourself in a better place. And toward the end of it, as I was reading it, you said though, like, if you need somebody, I'm here. You know, it's, it's very difficult to not only go through your own stuff very publicly mm. as you've had to many times and then to be able to admit I've gone through a lot. Everything hasn't been perfect. I'm working my way to the other side, yep. but I also want to be here for other people. What made you decide at that moment to make that post? Yeah, it took a while. It took a while for me to be ready to make that post because it's obviously once you go out public on Instagram or social media, it's out there. You can't take it down. Um, and I just feel after I did that, the amount of people that continually to this day, you know, reach out to me, whether it be in Australia or, you know, if I'm playing in the US Open in New York, there are always people that are in my DMs, you know, saying like, you know, I'm struggling. I'm, you know, I feel like I'm like depressed or I feel like I can't get through this. And I just, you know, take some time out to just send them a DM or sometimes I get their phone number and text them on WhatsApp and just try and help them through that because I feel like when I was going through it, it just felt like the whole world was against me, even though it wasn't. Like, I felt like I couldn't go to anyone. I felt like I couldn't open up. I felt like no one could understand what I was going through. But then as soon as I just was a bit vulnerable and talked to my family, my friends, they, they didn't understand completely what I was going through, but they could step by step get me out of that dark kind of place. And you know, I was playing professional tennis at the highest level, playing Nadal, Federer, the, like the greatest of all time. And at night times, I was, you know, drinking nonstop, self-harming, and then playing them in front of thousands of people in the stadium. So it was like, I was, at night, I was a completely different person. And I just had to put on a mask and go out and play the greatest of all time and, and beat them sometimes. So it was a scary time because Australian Open, my home, I was in my backyard. People would assume this is the most, this, this guy's, you know, he's got the best life. He's playing in the Australian Open. He's one of the best players in the world in front of his hometown, in front of his friends. And I had, my arm was completely covered with cigarette scars, you know, cutting scars. And that's when I got my tattoo sleeve actually the first time to cover it all up. It's a pretty dark time. And talking about that dark time and the depression and real mental health, what does the word crazy mean to you? Because when you pull up your name, you Google you, yeah. you see the word crazy more than anything else. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? And like the, the on the on the court antics, Yep. But then, like, does that mean more to you than just... Because people call me crazy, too. Yeah. But what does that mean to you? When I meet people for the first time, they think I'm crazy and I'm very mentally unstable and I'm going to do something crazy. Like, in Australia, people, if they haven't met me before, will literally just stare at me and be like, this guy's going to do something volatile or something. And I'm like, that's just, like, guess, a media thing that they've kind of branded me to be. Because off the court, I'm actually really chilled. You know, I'm very 
relaxed. I don't take myself too seriously. And I think I just turn into someone different when I'm on the court. And that's, I'm sure you got NBA guys that are like that too. They come on the court and between those lines, it's like a completely different ball game. And that's just how I've been. I've just been a crazy person on the court. Like I turn into someone different. Like my, my, my girlfriend, my best friends, when they watch me, they're like, bro, you're nuts on the court. Like, who are you? And then I get off and I'm just like, I don't know. Like I just tap into this like weird, crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't like it. Like, I don't like it when I think about it. Like, the sad part is everywhere around the world, they just want to see that person. And then when they realize I'm not like that off the court, they're not as interested as much. So kind of sucks a little bit. <laughs> this dude, like every time we're walking through the airport, yeah. they come up to him and they immediately want him to be funny. Yeah. Or they immediately want him yeah. to be Cuss. outrageous. Say something crazy. Yeah, like, you know. That's not me. Like sometimes you want to be like that for the camera or, you know, the performance. Like tennis, when you're on court, is like the performance. And then off the court, it's like you don't have to play that role anymore. People don't seem to be as interested in that though. Do you choose to switch? Because at some point, when I played, I was like, I fought and yeah. cussed people out and all. Yeah. And Bro, we're very similar. You're just better at your sport than I was. But <laughs> like cussing, screaming, talking about people's, you know, mom. I don't know. I've never met your mom before, but I'm gonna call a fact because it might upset you. But like, do, like, do you know, like, okay, I'm warming up. Okay, match about to start. Let me let me turn definitely. on that other, definitely. That other side. Yeah, definitely. I think that was even when I was young, I wore my emotions on my sleeve. You know, I wouldn't say trash talk that much. But, you know, sometimes I did. I've, I've spoken about other players' girlfriends on the court before, which has gone pretty viral. And then in the tennis world, trash talk's not normal. Like in every other sport it is, but in tennis is like, if you say anything, it's like you're a bad guy. So, yeah, I do turn that switch on. I know when I'm about to walk out on court, I, I turn into someone different, yeah. Nick, I'm curious. What was childhood Nick like? And when did you fall in love with tennis? The funny thing is I never fell in love with tennis at all. Never, no, I never was a big fan of it. I loved basketball. You know, I was sitting in front of my TV watching Vince Carter tapes, mm. all that, like just obsessed with NBA, the culture. I just loved the sport in general. When I was 14, my dad just came outside and said, look, we're not going to play basketball anymore. Because from Australia at that time, there was no pathway to kind of making it into, you know, the NBA or say any sort of big league. So that was it. Just chose tennis and tennis was what probably the biggest sport in Australia at the time one of the biggest sports, and that was it. I had to leave basketball behind. But yeah, loved basketball, disliked tennis a lot. So Lil Nick, he wasn't a, a and I don't want to call you an asshole, but was he a good kid? Yeah, I was a good kid growing up. I, you know, I didn't have much, my family didn't have much. I thought I had the, I thought I had a great life growing up, didn't know anything different. My parents sacrificed everything for me to be here. They put all their eggs in one basket. Just school and didn't think I was going to become a professional tennis player. Mm -hmm. And at 17, everything changed. You're here now and you know, so many times people see the end result, right? Tall, handsome, uh, you know, you spoke about having your girl, I wanna get into that later, but we had, I asked you on the way up, have you, have you ever met Israel Adesanya? Yeah. Right, obviously one of the greatest fighters in the world. And he spoke about when he moved to New Zealand, he was in, like finding out he was black, right? Finding out he was darker skinned than other people and being bullied. Um, also for you, being darker skinned than some of the people or most of the people you were around, being a little over, overweight. And I thought about it when Fred said, what was young Nick like? What were those times like and how did those instances shape you? Uh, yeah, that was, that was hard. Um, and I still think I carry those insecurities today a little bit. Um, you know, some of the legends of Australian sport have told me and my family to go back to where we came from. And... Those are tough times because, you know, I grew up in Australia and I didn't know any different. You know, I thought I was Australian and the majority of tennis players in Australia are white and they're Australian. And obviously I see how the media treat them compared to how they treat me. And it's been pretty rough at times, to be honest. And, and especially for my family, you know, and especially with social media in today's day and age, you see all the hate 
you know, my brother has alopecia and people say, you know, cancer jokes about him and stuff. So it's really hard to kind of deal with it all. But I feel like we're all a tight contingent. We all support each other. Um, we all have good support groups. But yeah, growing up and dealing with it was, was hard. You mentioned your parents and, and the sacrifices they've made. You know, your pops is Greek, yep. said he worked his butt off, yep. co just consistently always worked. Uh, but your mother as well, your mother was sick yep. a lot when you were growing up. And they said just that you had that attachment. You know, you get out of your bed, go, go to her bedside and be with her. Just explain a little bit of what your relationship with your parents is like and you know how that plays out now when you know they're sitting in your box watching you yeah. play tennis yeah my dad he came from greece in 1965 with pretty much nothing and then he still works to this day and age he was he's a type of guy that i mean typical greek always looking for a bargain doesn't want to pay full <laughs> price for anything like and he still works he still paints um and he just yeah just grinds every day gets up and and i think that's that's the key to it all i mean you look at when you get older, I think you need to have a purpose. You need to do something. I think retiring early and not having much to do is actually, you know, on the flip side, not, not the best thing to do. From his perspective, I think he just wants to keep going, keep working. And my mum, you know, her health has always been an issue. Mm. Um, yeah, like she just, you know, from pacemakers to, you know, incredible, like just, she's had pretty much every treatment under the sun, but she's still, she's probably one of the strongest people I know. Um, and yeah, there's inspiration. That's why, you know, continually just being here for me, I have massive imposter syndrome. I'm sitting in my bed sometimes in Australia watching you guys on my Instagram and now I'm here sitting here. So I know that my parents will be proud. And that's what, I guess at the end of the day, I keep pushing because they had nothing growing up. So I want to, I feel like I'll be doing them a disservice if I just stopped doing things like this and tried to push through. So. What was that you say you have? Imposter syndrome? Yeah. Like you don't feel like you be whooping people's ass? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Like, yeah. <laughs> the button, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I've, I've been on just, it's crazy. Like, I've, you know, interviewed Mike Tyson sitting here. Like, sometimes it just doesn't feel real, you know, from where, like, I just had such a simple lifestyle growing up. I just didn't think it was going to be, I don't know. Yeah, it's a bit, a bit strange. Yeah, when I, I told you earlier, when I told my daughter who plays tennis, Ava, that I was interviewing you, yeah. she started crying that she couldn't meet you. Well, I can send her a video. I'm sure you <laughs> no, I'm gonna go. You, you jumping on that FaceTime, bro. <laughs> <laughs> We've met people before, and the moment they walk in the room, your thought of them swings because watching you, like you said, I, it's, a, it's called 10 minutes of Nick Carrios, yep. a video. Madness, yeah, I've seen it. And it's just you slamming rackets and cussing people out yeah. and throwing shit around. And I was like, this dude, like you say, he gonna walk in tense. <laughs> he was chill as hell, right? He walked in, what's up, fellas? Hey, you know, hey, how y'all doing, man? Da -da 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 -da. <laughs> so, like, it, there's no anger there? Cause, no. Because you do snap on the court. Yeah, like, on the court, yeah. That's not Nick. That's, I don't know what that other side yeah, is called. Know. That's that different person? Yeah, that definitely. And it happens every time I get into a competitive mode, that's when I, like, switch. But when I'm like this, I, I don't get angry at pretty much anything. Like, you know, my best friend or my family usually has to motivate me to, like, all right, let's go do something. I would literally just sit in my room and chill and watch TV, play video games, like, Get some Chipotle, like, I'm sure. That's crazy. What I, you I wanted to go up? party with him. Yeah, no, but like, yeah, when I party or play competitively, that's when the other side gets out. Hey, party too, Jack. Yeah, the party, though. Oh, you can go when you party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. What about when you were going to beat up Alexander Volkanovsky? No, 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 that. <laughs> I was so close to telling him to shut up, and then he came over. So the first time I met Volk, um, we were both at this bar in Australia, and he was in the next booth next to me, and he was being so loud. I didn't know what he looked like at the time. And I was about to say, like, bro, like, keep it down. Like, no one wants to hear that shit. And then he starts drinking more. And then he comes over. He's got two guys carrying him because he can't walk at this stage. Like, he's, he's gone for the night. Right. 
comes up to me and I'm like, oh no, it's another crazy fan. Fuck, I, don't, I don't want to deal with this right now. And he's like, Nick, it's me, it's Volk. And I'm like, holy shit, I was about to like, tell him to shut up. And he's gonna <laughs> UFC featherweight champion. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then the next day, he's fresh as a daisy at 8 a.m. He woke up and we had to do this Call of Duty you know, advertisement thing, but he was fresh, but he was, he was on it that night. You've been fined over a half a million dollars yep. in your career. In the NFL, that would be a record. Yep. What's been your biggest fine, and uh, how can you be better at getting back to the top? Look, yeah, I don't condone my behavior. When I, sometimes when I look back at my behavior, you know, from my room or a week later, I'm like, shit, I probably shouldn't have done that. But in the heat of the moment, it's so hard. You know, as competitors, you, you're in, you, you want the best out of yourself. And I'm so frustrated that I know I can be better in that moment. And look, there's hundreds and thousands of dollars on the line. I want to get the best out of myself, and I'm making stupid mistakes. So I get really, really angry. But the cool thing about tennis is the fines go to charity. So when someone told me that, I was like, you probably should have told me that because now I'm not going to probably stop. <laughs> but Do you get to choose? I don't think you get to choose. I mean, I don't even know if it goes. That's what they told me when. So I hope it does. But last year, I had the best year of my career, and I, I barely got fined anything. Mm -hmm. I, I wore a red hat at Wimbledon. I wore the red Jordan hat and red Jordans, and I got fined. But that sort of stuff, I don't care. But my, my, I think my anger last year wasn't, wasn't as bad. So I didn't get fined. Anything. Is that because you're winning? You don't create um, as many I answers? I just think mentally off the court, I was just happier. Because early in my career, I had seasons where I was probably winning more. And I probably had, you know, more wins. But I just was so up and down off the court. You know, I was drinking the drugs. Like, just like so out of control off the court that sometimes on the court I would win. But my behavior would be out of control. Where last year I had such a nice team environment. My girlfriend was with me. My agent, my best friend, my... Um, my physio, we were all together, so I was, you know, my, my dad came to Wimbledon, so it was just like a nice feel to it, so I felt when I stepped out on court, I was just calmer. You know, you mentioned that calm, and you keep mentioning your best friend, Daniel, Yeah. right? What was it, what was it like when you made the call to him and said, hey man, can you just come on the road with me? Like, I, I'd like you to be there, you know what I'm saying? You meet a dude hooping, you know, when yeah. you're younger, you guys stay close. You know, you're starting this this tennis career and you yep. just make the call like, bro, I just need somebody to stay with me, just somebody to be close. And what was his sort of response and answer to that? Well, yeah, we just started as friends back in Australia and we, you know, every time I'd travel, he just knew that I was playing tennis, professional tennis. And I'd come back home, we'd hang out and he would see me on TV, obviously playing. And then I was like, my man, I wasn't happy with my management group originally. And he had a very good knack of, you know, meeting people, communicating with people and, you know, just had that. The power of the mouth, you know, he was like good at talking to people. So I was like, why don't you just, you know, become my, you know, agent slash, you know, just like my, my first thing command. If I need anything, you're that guy. And then you have relations with my like other agents. And then he was like, yeah, let's do it. And then that kind of just happened. We just, he became my agent slash best friend. And look, the first couple of years when he came on, I don't think he signed up for the type of shit that I was doing because <laughs> he needed my location on his phone because that's how unpredictable I was on nights out. Like I would end up in wow. places and he would have to like come and find me so that wow. was i don't think he was expecting that as early but now it's yeah it's cool like one of my best friends that i kind of grew up with we get to travel and get to experience things and yeah yeah that's the kind of what i wanted to do he, no one knows me better than him so right you mentioned earlier you mentioned something about a mask you have a tattoo yep. that says give a man a mask and he'll become his true self yeah what does that mean to you and why did you get it on your body in ink I just feel like people these days are so afraid of being themselves with, you know, if they just show up at face value, they'll be so, you know, I guess, reserved. They won't tell you how they feel. And then as soon as they get behind a, you know, a phone or a computer and they anonymously, 
that's when they'll tell you how they really feel about things and that's when they'll want to be themselves. Where I think with me personally, I've been battered in the media, thrown around, people throw disrespect on my name, my family's name, just for being myself. And over the last five years, I haven't changed that. I've just been more of myself. And now the, the tide's turning a little bit. It's like, okay, we appreciate this guy for being real and he's not going to be anything else. And that's where the respect's now coming. And I'll go around the world. You know, In America, this is where I feel the most comfortable. I played the US Open and they love it. The stadium is packed out. People going crazy. There's barbers fading hair in the crowd. There's, it's crazy <laughs> stuff. And then like they appreciate my realness where I feel like now in today's day and age, you don't know, apart from myself, and I've struggled with that, um, and that's, I watched this clip of Michael Beasley saying that he can't like find people that are real, you know, and I'm just like, I've really struggled with that. Like I try and be as genuine as, pos uh, as possible. And I don't know if this person just wants to hang out with me because, you know, I'm Nick Kyrgios or, or whatever. So that's been a really hard challenge, but I feel like now it's just so impossible to, to know. Nick, did you mention that clip because it was our show or did you not no, know I, that? I watched it because it was, it was real. I got sent it to me so many times. Oh, obviously, like, I was plugged <laughs> appreciate, the show, appreciate but, the plug, but, no. but, Appreciate the plug. But um, no, just I had about three or four people sending that to me because, you know, I'd spoken about that previously. And you could see how much he was hurting inside by saying that. And I was at that point hmm. in 2019, especially. When you talk about the traveling and all that stuff, yeah. like and being alone where you had to get your buddy Daniel to come yeah. on. When did that start in life? Because that's crazy to be away from everybody you're comfortable with and some, I don't know, you're riding a bus, flying on a plane, I don't know what yeah. you're doing, but at what yeah. age were you isolated like that? I started traveling around the world at like 14, 15. And that's the coolest thing. I think Kobe said it as well about tennis. He was really into tennis towards the later stages of his career. He used to come to the US Open Watch. He said like tennis forces you to grow up really quickly and you become really independent really early in, um, in your life. So 14, I was traveling to Philippines through Asia and these third world countries where it was really eye-opening for me. You know, I was 14, had people coming up to me begging for money, and I didn't, I really realized that in Australia, we were so lucky, you know, growing up. So at 14, started traveling, and then 15, 16, I was still at school, and then 17, 18, I was traveling around the world, maybe five, six months a year, and then, and then went to seven, eight months. It was hard, because I'm such a homebody. I love being at home. I love family. I love friends. I love just, that's what matters to me. And then, it's different hotel every week, different country, different, you know, and, and sometimes you're not, it's like we're not flying private or anything, you know, we're flying normally and sometimes the hotel's not great to these countries and it's hard. It's, it was, tennis is really hard like that because you're losing every week as well, you know, unless you're Novak, Federer or Nadal, mm. you're losing every week. Yeah. And then you just got to pick yourself back up, go to the next country and just soldier on. Yeah. That's tough, it's, man. It's hard. And there's not, and no guarantees either in tennis. You don't sign a contract and you just get paid like, you basically you eat what you kill in the sport. If you win, you're making money. And then if you're losing, you're not making anything. And don't you have to, because I, I said my, my daughter, she, she loves you to death. Yeah. Don't you have to do that to be good? Like they're trying to get her to homeschool now. Yeah. And they're trying to get her to go to these tennis yeah. academies because she's shown a little talent in yeah. tennis. But if you don't do that, could, could you be Nick Kyrgios if you go to an eight to three school and then go train two hours a night? Now the game is evolving and you need to put more effort into the tennis and the training and the physical conditioning and the playing but I went to school and I was doing two hours in the morning then I'd finish school and sometimes during lunchtime I'd go train come back to school and train in the afternoon it was it was a lot it was a lot of work and this is my parents my parents made me feel like that was okay like at the time I was like shit this is a lot for someone that's 16 I was like why am I doing this and then they just believed in me a lot so um I think you can do it but I wish I had the time again. I would have preferred to be homeschooled. <laughs> Unlike Channing, you don't have a face for radio. Chan 
I was like, yeah, he gets picked on a lot on this, eh? Yeah, he does. Yeah, but he's not going to be right. This is they, like, they yeah. know I ain't going to dive on their ass because I'm a nice guy. <laughs> Me and Nick are nice guys. That's why. Yeah, but you, you, he doesn't have a face for radio. You do. You got to hide behind the thing. Uh, I saw you doing your broadcasting thing. And what made me th remember that were you talking about being yourself. Yep. I thought you did an amazing job. Is that who you really are? And do you think you have a future in uh, broadcasting? I definitely do. I think, you know, I watch basketball, tennis. I feel like I'm a student of the game. I love breaking it down. I actually prefer watching tennis than I do playing it because I can see what players need to do tactically or, you know, how they just, I can break down the sport really well. And I just feel like I, I can articulate things pretty well. But yeah, I can definitely see a future in it. It's definitely less stressful than playing. <laughs> yeah. And it would cost me less money too with more rackets and stuff. You brought it up, because me and Nick are good looking guys. You talk about your buddy Daniel having to find you. He wasn't finding you at arcades. <laughs> he, you was leaving, you was, you know, I know you have a beautiful girlfriend now, yeah, but yeah. you I used to kill it. And you said it earlier, you throw on a thicker accent when the girls are around, don't no, you? No, I don't. <laughs> I told you, bro. Doug, if you got an accent, no, you don't. already a, you started at six. <laughs> hey, anything else, you got to subtract from there with an accent? Come yeah. on, man. Yeah. Could you imagine if I sound like Nick or Dries Elba? <laughs> Boy, You still look like yourself. You're crazy. But I'll be a six, Chad. That's the point. Yeah. But Speaking yeah. of, though, man, you met, your, you met your girl looking for a mirror? Well, no, it was all planned. So. My Ooh. reputation in Australia is like, it's, it's like arrogant, it's crazy, it's this guy's volatile. So I knew if I just sent her a straight DM, it's like, I know that I'm playing against her reputation. I know she's going to be like, oh, it's just, he's just, you know, another guy just trying to, I'm sure we've all been there type of thing. So I was like, how am I going to work around this to seem like I'm not a stalker or a, or a, or a freak? So I, was, I messaged her little business. I was like, hey, is this mirror available? Like, it's for my sister. Just absolute junk. And then I was just like, I need to like meet up with her. And then, so then I can just, she can meet me and understand that I'm a nice guy. And that was it. I just got the mirror off her. And then I was like, oh, like we're going out tonight if you want to come. Like, and then that was it. The rest was history. She said it was kind of love at first sight though. Yeah, it was. I mean, she's, look, I've had some terrible relationships in the past. So she's just a breath of fresh air. She's, I mean, last year she traveled with me. I feel like, you know, if someone's a good person by, if you travel with them around the world, you know, airports, delays, sleeping on the floor with suitcases. Like when you get dealt with some adversity yeah. and she was fine. And every sort of situation we were in, she she was fine. She wasn't too down about it. We made it fun. So she's definitely been, um, she's been good, yeah. Chi-Chan, that's when I realized you were not a good person. <laughs> Once we started traveling together. Great person. It, yeah, but you let, you let somebody steal your carry-on in the airport while you slept. So yeah. I know you ain't gonna protect yeah. mine. Yeah, man, somebody got me. For my but why would they do that? My carry-on and my book bag. They took it. They just took it. They just walked off. <laughs> I might have I might have had a couple of drinks in it. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe they slipped it from my head. <laughs> but they did steal my items, man, and I hate it. What's happening, Pivot fam? I want to talk to you about Etsy, especially in the holiday season. Whether it's your children, your wife, your husband, it's the place to go for sort of these one-of-a-kind gifts that you can find that are different from what everyone else is doing. Etsy is a marketplace that is there to help you. And that's what I do, bro. Like, y'all know how it is. You've been giving gifts to people for years. You got to find something more. The throw pillows, the necklaces, the jewelry, whatever you're doing, Etsy can help you out with those gifts for everybody that you love. The best time of the year for Etsy, I got some nutcrackers off Etsy, six feet candles, some stockings. You can get everything off Etsy. You can get everything off of Etsy, and if you use the promo code HOLIDAY10, you get 10% off whatever you purchase.
And Etsy is for all budgets. If you're new to Etsy, use the code HOLIDAY10 for 10% off your first purchase. That's code HOLIDAY10, maximum discount value of $50. Expires December 31st, 2023. See terms at etsy.com slash terms. Let's get to a little bit of tennis, man. Uh, you know, the shot of the year. I know you remember it. You playing things in the doll. Yeah. Right. And to me, man, it's like my played against Fred, who's one of the best I ever played against. Like I wasn't trying no tricks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't trying to be cute. I was like, if he get the football, I'm gonna do my best to get him on the ground. Yeah. I'm gonna hope he in a small space. You know what I mean? I'm gonna prepare. I'm gonna look at the tips and tendencies. You're playing Rafael Nadal, one of the greatest yeah. to ever play tennis. You know, he returns it and you go between the legs on him. What sort of thought process is that? And then when you hear afterwards, it's like, it's not the shot of the, it's not the shot of the match, it's the shot of the year. Yep. When you do something like that on that stage, how does that feel? It's just, it's just instinct. My game's never been orthodox. It's never been between the lines. And I've been criticized for that my, my whole career. I mean, I'm sure if I opened up Instagram today, there'd be someone giving me their idea of what, how I should play like. And that's just been the biggest denominator of my career. I've always played the shots that aren't necessarily high percentage or and that doesn't mean I'm not locked in. Like I'm super focused, but that's just my game style. It's just I just play and I'm free, and I guess that's just a way that I can express myself differently to other players because no one else will play those shots. But now, I mean, in, when I was that young, no one played those shots. It was like the first time anyone had seen them. But now you see all these young guys coming up, and they're you know playing with a lot more flair. And I think I've helped the sport in a way, you know, because tennis was pretty boring when I was growing up. And now you've got fans from all around the world watching. I tried to bridge the gap. I did a shoe collab with Kyrie. That was something that me those shots and i think played a part in having that opportunity to do things like that so i don't regret anything like that when you get those opportunities sometimes they can be a bit of a david versus a goliath definitely yeah it's were there ever moments where you were intimidated looking across like man i gotta this is who i'm playing today first time i played nadal at wimbledon my coach actually told me that you're probably not going to win this match because i was only 18 and nadal was number one in the world he was ranked like and then he was like, look, just go out there, give your best effort. Just all that junk. Like, I was like, that's not, not what you want to hear from your coach. Like, probably not going to win this match. Right. And I was like, like, when I walked out there, I was so nervous. Like, couldn't feel my legs. Like, wasn't moving. And my serve is my best shot that I have. And then I missed my first serve, first point of the match. And I was like, shit. I don't want to play like a point. I don't want to rally with him because I'm just so nervous. So I just hit my second serve as hard as I could. And he completely jumped the wrong way. Like, Nadal jumped the wrong way. And I was like, okay, that's weird. Right. And then our next couple points and the next couple games, I was like holding my serve really easy. And I was like, shit, this guy doesn't really know where I'm going on my serve. And then I just got more confident and then ended up winning the match. And that match there made me believe. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No matter who I'm playing, I have a chance. Because you know, I was you know, 18. When I hear things like that, and 
you see how people talk about your skill. Yep. You know, they, they speak of you on a talent level differently than they speak of other great tennis players, yep. right? They talk about, you know, their work ethic and their focus. You know, I read things about Jokovic where he said, you know, I had to change my diet and do it. And yep. you've done similar things to that. Yep. Take me through, though, turning around, you know, to your mother and telling her that you didn't want to be here during a match and her asking you, well, can you just try? Yeah, I remember that. I was in Shanghai. Um, I was on the road for six and a half months. And my mum came and she was in me, she was with me in Tokyo the, the week before. And I'd won that, I won the tournament in Tokyo the week before. And we had a big discussion at the end of the week with my team. I was like, I don't really want to go to Shanghai next week. I'd rather just go home and take, you know, two months off and then re refresh for the Australian period. And then we got to Shanghai, I won my first match. And the second match came and I was feeling, I was tired. Like I was really tired and I was mentally a bit fragile. And I just wasn't as strong as I was now mentally. Like looking back, I shouldn't have taken the court. Like, I should have just said, you know, let's just go home. We've had a great, successful season. Let's just wrap it up. Because in hindsight, that hurt me so much more than just the match itself. Like, I told my mom, I don't want to be here. Like, and she was like, just try, just try. And something that day just, when she said that, it was almost like I couldn't, I almost just wanted to go against what she said just to prove that we made the wrong decision of being there. Yeah. And that in hindsight hurt me so much more because the media picked up on it. It was like, reputation-wise, I should have just listened to it and you should listen to your parents all the time but that hurt me so much more than just that match but look i look back on that highlight and i was like 21 years old i was just an idiot because you said it rc you read anything any all the people even people you argue with they're like yeah. your skill level your athleticism is off the charts yep. i think one of the most disrespectful things you can question an athlete is their work ethic yeah. and their determination and that yeah. is that's something that you read about yourself. Does yeah. that piss you off, or what? What's your answer to people that question your work ethic? Yeah, it, that 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 pisses me off, and because I know how I'm, I know how I am off the court. I don't take myself too seriously. I love to have a drink. I love to you know say party or whatever. And then it makes people like that aren't athletes feel that what I do isn't so serious, and they don't respect it as much. And people say, oh, you're not that disciplined. I'm like, you can't get to anywhere in a sport mm -hmm. at the highest level without hours and hours, weeks, months, years of discipline. Like there was years was 17 to 20 where I wasn't, I didn't go to one party. I wasn't doing anything. Like I was trading five, six hours a day, not seeing my family, not seeing any friends. Like that foundational work was happening from when I was like 10 years old. So 10 to 20, I had 10 years where I didn't even have normal friendship groups because I was just putting everything into tennis. And that's what people don't understand. They only see the tip of the iceberg of where I am now. You know, it's like, oh, you must have a great life. It's like, it took so much time and so much diligence to get here. And it, it frustrates me because I try and explain it and they just don't get it. Like, they just don't understand it. And yeah, it's disrespectful when someone comes to me and says, bro, like you, bro, how did you, like you have no discipline. I'm like, like I just, I just walk away now. Yeah. Like I can't explain it. Like along those, along those lines um, in football, what we call tanking is, so like this year, Caleb Williams is going to be the number one quarterback in college. Yep. And we say a team will purposely play badly yep. in order to get the number one draft yep. pick. Yep. Like Wembe Yama for the Spurs last year. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Yeah. You know, you, you, you were accused of tanking a match. Yep. You know, I think to me, that's even a step further than saying someone doesn't have discipline or someone doesn't have work ethic. You know, I think that comes into the integrity of who a person is, yep. you know. And then they also, when they talk about that match, they never ask, well, what was he going through? Yep. 
They never asked, well, what was he dealing with? Yeah. At that time, you know, during that match, what were you dealing with that made it so hard to perform? Or did you say to yourself, maybe I am tanking? No, I think there's always a deeper issue. You know, I was, I'm never okay with just losing. Like I'm very, fr like even if I'm playing video games or anything, as soon as I get into that competitive mindset, I'm not okay with losing. It's more so, I feel like those times where I was, you know, not giving my best effort. It was just because I was, so, there was so much external noise in my head where I couldn't focus on what I was doing, you know, whether it be something in my family, like my mum's health or just being on the road for seven months and not, not feeling like myself or just think external issues that I could never deal with inside here that was just like, fuck, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be here right now. I don't want to, just because I'm a professional tennis player and all this stuff in my life is, isn't right. I should just go on the court right now and give my best effort. It's not possible. Like I, I wasn't able to get the best out of myself for, for a couple of years because I was just so dark and I was like, yeah, just so upset and like internally hurt. I just, sometimes it would be good. Sometimes it would be bad. I couldn't control that. Like that was the scariest thing. It was like, I don't know how I'd wake up. It was just, if I woke up good, I'd play all right. If I was sad and depressed, it was, it was going to be bad. You know, like for football, it's, it's so different. You know, you, you work all week for three hours. Yep. For you, that tough gamut of being on the road, the, the different tournaments, the, the different matches, I, I guess that can weigh on you differently emotionally and mentally. How have you been able to build yourself up to where even though 2022 may not have been the most wins, yep. but you get a guy like Jokovic stands up and he's like, man, it seems like everything's coming together for you. Yep. Right, and and then things coming together, like we know we're gonna have to deal with you. How did you get from that point where you said, I didn't know how I'd wake up to a point in 2022 where you felt emotionally you were ready to take on what it takes to, to be the best you could be? The early stages of my career, I tried to, I, it bothered me that I was so misunderstood. Like everyone thought I was a, like, the crazy Nick that you thought I was going to be when I got here. Like everyone thought I was going to be that. So I was trying to prove to everyone that I wasn't like that. And that was exhausting. One, it was exhausting, but there was one example. I won a tournament in Brisbane. And the week before I was partying every night, drinking every night, doing drugs every night. And I won the tournament. And then the media was like, has Nick turned a corner? Is this the Nick that we're wanting? And it was the darkest I'd ever been. Like it was horrific, but I won the tournament. And I, that's when I realized that the media, like winning will solve things, but I knew that I won a tournament, great, but that was the worst mentally I'd ever been. And it was like suicidal thoughts, it was self-harming, and I won a tournament, and it was like, everything was fine. Wow. And that's when I knew that last year, I knew that I had to do it, like, when I was on the road, I never used to want to do anything, never used to want to go for a walk, never used to want to go see the best parts of the world, when last year, every time I was in a new place, I would, my, my girlfriend would be like, let's do this. So we'd go do something fun, and I think I was just enjoying my life more, and then it translated to be like, all right, we're here, we're at Wimbledon, and you know, I made the finals of Wimbledon. Only a couple hundred people of all time have ever made a final of a Grand Slam. And I never thought from where I was, like, because there was time in Shanghai, I'd wake up at 3 p.m. in a dark room. First thing I'd drink was alcohol, and then I'd go out and play. And that's how bad it was. And I'd come back to the room, curtains closed, dark room, and then now I made finals of Wimbledon last year. It was like night and day change. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. When Naomi Osaka was going through her mental challenges yeah. and, uh, from the game and from life, were you able to sympathize with her? And what Definitely. sort of message would you have shared with her then? Well, that was, you know, me and Naomi work a lot with each other now. We have a lot of business ventures together and, you know, we're super close, her agent's my agent and 
she's an amazing person. And when I wish that she'd kind of come out with all that stuff a bit earlier because when she came out with that and it was a big revelation for tennis and sport in general, athletes all around the world were supporting her because she pulled out of the French Open. And when she did that and then we spoke about it, that was exactly what I was going through for the first like five years of my career. But I didn't think that we could just pull out of a tournament. I didn't think that pulling out of the biggest Grand Slams in the world was an option. I thought, you know, we're here, we have to play. Yeah. But she took the stand and was like, I'm not mentally prepared to do that. I'm just going to take my time, take my rest and take my preparation and look after myself. When she did that, that was a big wake up call for me because then I started shortening my schedule. I started not playing when I didn't feel ready to play. And she really helped, like she helped me. So I can only imagine how many athletes she helped around the world globally, for sure. Freddie T, man, what's happening? You know what's happening. You know, time to give a holler to our partners over at DraftKings. Any new customer signing up right now with the promo code PIVOT, you place a $5 bet, instantly get $150 in bonus bets. And hey, baby, you know what it is. You know, I'm on them same game parlays. You know, you make one bet, you add another bet, you get a bonus bet, and it all come together in the same game. Parlay, Freddie T, tell them about them no sweat bets, Freddie T. I see you telling your inner Channing. Uh, yeah, and the no sweat bets, y'all know all about that, because Channing tells you about it every week. You put a bet in, if it don't hit, it'll come back around, you bet again. And if you're not in a place where DraftKings Sportsbook is, don't worry about it, because we got DraftKings Daily Fantasy, still another way to get in the game and make some cash. And remember, get out your mobile devices. Any new customer signing up with the promo code PIVOT, you place a $5 bet, and you instantly get $150 in bonus bets. Enjoy the show. One of the toughest times for many people was 2020. Yep. And, you know, here you are. You're, you're Nick Curios. You've played in all of these tournaments. You become this star, and you like, back home with, at the crib with the parents. Yep. You know, and you start, and, and instead of just falling into yourself, like you started getting those Zoom calls with sick kids and you were ordering food yep. and delivering food. What was that year like for you and what did it teach you about yourself? I think I needed that break because I was, 2019 was the worst year for me with my mental health and then COVID hit. So it was like, okay, we were, I remember I was in LA actually and there was like a one COVID case and then I was like, right, I'm gonna fly out just in case, you know, things happen. And I got back home and then the tennis tour stopped for like six months. And that was honestly the best period of my life for that six months, just to be home. I hadn't seen my family and my friends for more than two months in the last probably three years. So then just being home, feeling normal again. And then I could just see the struggle. So I was like, being a professional athlete, then being tied home and not doing anything. I was like, I need to do something. I need to. So then me and my team, my best friend, we put together like boxes for people that, you know, couldn't go out and shop and have groceries and, so that was fun. Like that was something that we just that we just did as as a pastime. Because that's just how my circle is. We just love doing things like that. We're not doing it for any media attention and stuff. We just want to just want to help out. And then yeah, COVID was just it was actually a really good time for me. It was eye opening. Maybe missed the game a little bit, missed tennis a little bit, but then come back, I guess, fresh. And then just spending time with my family was a big one. Are you talking about finding stuff to do? You got a gigantic tattoo of Pokemans on yeah. your back. Yeah. Of who? Pokemans. He has is nine that, or ten Pokemans on his. Them are plural Pokemons. Yeah. yeah. So Pokemans. Them, is he got plural nine Pokemans on his back. And they said you play a game. I had to look this shit up, bro. Yeah. <laughs> You're one of the best tennis players in the world. Yeah. And you running around the Circle K alley trying to catch a girl. Oh no! You, oh, you, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That Pokemon was go. go. You know you Pokemon heard about go, this. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was I was obsessed with that game, man. I was up till like 4 a.m. one year in Toronto trying to fucking play that game. I lost the next day, and someone had like taken a picture <laughs> of me at nighttime, like spinning my phone, and I lost. I was fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, bro, this is like Nick Kyrgios lost. He's out at 4 a.m. chasing these stupid things around. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> woke up next day, I was dead, bro. I couldn't I couldn't open my eyes. Guy was serving aces. I was like, I'm, a, I'm done, bro. Wow, Pokemon? Yeah, bro. I just love gaming in general. Like Call of Duty, like. Grand Theft Auto, Pokemon, League of Legends, like, I just obsessed with games. Like, biggest it. gamer, yeah. I, was my, I grew up with my brother, he would game for six hours and he wouldn't let me play, I would just watch. He would just put me on the beanbag and make me watch. Like, literally, I was like, can I play? He's like, no. And you would just sit there and I would and just watch. sit there and watch. And then as soon as I got my hands on it, that was the end. So you know what helps me? I'm terrible at everything. I was terrible at Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, Madden, the only thing I could play probably was like NBA Jam, something oh, you don't yeah, know about because you're too young. Yeah. Like that, NBA Jam was so good, though. Yeah, like other than that, bro, I couldn't do anything. So I never became a gamer because I was tired of getting my head bashed in. You know what I mean? So what I could never. Like, hey, you play Pokemon Go too. <laughs> ah, you play. That's crazy. Fred. I better not let See, you cheat chasing you. no Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but this game's good because you gotta be you gotta walk around and stuff. So it's not like you know, you gotta walk around. I'm chasing. Steps in. I'm steps. chasing. And it's some goofy ass names too. What's the names? Pikachu. Yeah, it's one. Pikachu yeah, one. Charizard. Yeah, Charizard. Yeah. yeah. So I want to leave this hotel to go chase Charizard around. You're not chasing like, him. You might go walk to a cafe, get a coffee, and sit down, and spin a couple. Try it out. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna play it too? I went to. Uh, I had a big uh, autograph show in Chicago before we did somebody in Vegas a couple months ago. And uh, they had all these uh, trading cards and stuff like that. Yeah. Braylon, my son Braylon, this is actually his game. Oh, I uh, I bought him <laughs> yeah. like these $500 Japanese yeah, version yeah. of uh, Pokemon trading cards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because if you save them, then they might be worth, worth more. Yeah. I spent $1,000 on cards. That's your ass is silly then. <laughs> <laughs> but when I got home and we pulled them, that's it's what fun. they call? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Right. So he has some real unique ones. I just put them in the safe for him. Y'all yeah. play Dungeons. This is for him. Y'all yeah, play yeah. Dungeons and Dragons too? Nah, nah, that's 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 oh, don't act crazy now. You play Pikachu Go and you can play Dungeons and Dragons too. <laughs> Pikachu Go. You <laughs> <laughs> crazy, man. Nick, man, like when you like you seem light, bro. Yeah. And I think like that's the thing that, that I've been feeling the entire time. Like yeah. even when you walked in, when you dapped everybody off, to to be in that place now. What would you tell other people who may feel like they where you were? You know, they, you know, blinds drawn, first thing in the morning is a drink. Go out, put on this front for everybody else, play this, play this game at such a high level, and then go back and retreat to that sort of hole. What would you tell people who are in those dark places now about how to get to the other side? I just feel like no matter how good something's going, it can be taken away straight away. Like I know that it takes, for me to get to this position has taken years. And I know that one little thing, one little bad habit can, can unravel everything. So I know that when things are really good, like you can't be too high. And when things are really bad, you can't be too low. I feel like you gotta just ride the waves and just be quite equal all the time. Because nothing, it's never, like one thing that I, an old coach told me, it's never as good as it seems, it's never as bad as it seems. And ever since I heard that, it's just like, Everything's just, you know, I'm doing all these, you know, amazing things, meeting you guys, being here. It's, it's awesome. And, you know, being in L.A., you know, watching LeBron last night break the record. And, you know, I'm just, I could get one text message saying that, oh, your mum's dealing with a health issue today. And that can just, like, change everything. So it's just, like, you just try and be even-keeled. And when I was in those moments, I just didn't even think, like, going for a walk outside was good. 
but it is. I, lo I love going for a walk outside, getting a coffee now. It's like one of the things I look forward to. But in those times, I was like, I couldn't look forward to anything because I was just, I thought my life was the worst. So you can't just be, can't be so up and down. That's the one thing I've learned. You just got to be, it's got to be even killed the whole time. I think uh, going for those walks are healthy. Yeah. You know, much like meditation and, yep. and reflection. Yeah. Uh, reflecting on your career. Yeah. Uh, going back, uh, looking at matches, significant moments. Yep. What moments were most impactful for you and your development as a player and as a person? There's only been two people ever to beat Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic on their first try. So when I look at that stat, when sometimes when I walk out to a court and the announcer says like, Nick Kyrgios is the first, like the second man ever to do that. I get those three, beating those three were probably the biggest confidence boosters in my, in my life because, you know, growing up, I wasn't athletic at all. I wasn't athletically gifted. I don't think like from, like you look pictures, if you search, if you go on the internet right now and type in Nick Kyrgios Wu-Tang shirt, it's the funniest <laughs> picture you've ever seen. It's hilarious. Like I'm, I'm very overweight. And then if someone like that can, you got to get that. <laughs> if you, you got to put that picture somewhere in the podcast, because if someone like that can eventually beat the greatest of all time, then it's actually possible to do anything. Anyone just has to have a bit of belief and you can do it. Because if you, you, you wait till he sees a photo. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't type, I keep typing, typing Wittang. Wittang? Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, that's crazy. He, he was a heavy Chevy? Yeah. <laughs> Chad. No. Yeah. Bro. <laughs> yeah. And it's just bad. That is like, crazy. Yeah. Someone like that can get to the top of the sport and beat, you know, fat, like, I thought these guys were gods that when I was man, growing up. But. That young man blossomed like a swan. Oh, yeah. Sheesh. Yeah. yeah. How, how's, your, how's your golf swing? Is there oh, some no, correlation? I'm not, I, I'm not good at golf. I'm, no? good, I'm good at putt-putt. Hold up. Like my short game's all right, but I haven't really tried. I just can't. I'm like, I'm like Happy Gilmore, man. I'm like, For real? Yeah. I thought Lose. most tennis players, yeah, they are. there's a some of, correlation. A lot of good tennis you players. You gotta be able to close. Love golf. This, right. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, you know. You yeah. see how he serves. But Happy Gilmore, That's I, what I'm I, saying. I, yeah, I, I think, you need yeah. patience, though. Yeah, because you serve like Happy Gilmore. Yeah, like, <laughs> I actually have to do that little run-up when I hit, when I drive. I can't drive at all. No? I can't drive. So like, you have I to just, run up and... Yeah, I have to run up and hit it. Wow. Because it's mechanically, that, I can't that, stand still. Yeah, but the coordination in that, though. The swing's not bad, but my footwork, I can't stand still and hit it. I have to do that little run-up. Oh. Uh, you know what you know. tennis, you got you to move your yeah, feet. Yeah, you know what you know, right? <laughs> hey, I'm going to watch now. Hey, Chad, if he get up there and do that, they're not going to let You got to run go. up, you got to get your feet right. Happy feet, bro. Yeah. Happy feet. You, uh, <laughs> you have your own show starting, Good Trouble, yeah. uh, in, in the States, for yeah. us, especially African-Americans, that... You think immediately about Congressman Lewis, John Lewis, who passed, and he said, you know, we were getting into some good trouble. He was a civil rights activist. And starting this show, one, you have to have an openness and vulnerability yep. to be yourself, Definitely. which we've learned in doing this. Uh, what do you hope to show people through doing those shows, having the guests, and giving people an opportunity to know Nick Kyrgios more? Well, not just me, but all these guests, obviously Mike Tyson, I'm doing Gordon Ramsay, just people that have just stayed true to themselves and had so much hate or, you know, uh, people just judging them and, and they've just stayed true to themselves and they've got to the other side, you know, being a better person. I think there's success in that, you know, this, not just, you know, from a financial standpoint or anything like that, but just getting through the other side, being yourself. It's like, it's like a weight off your shoulders. Like I didn't have to change for anyone. But I'm super excited about it because it's like really intimate. It's one-on-one. -on -one, 
and there's no it's like kind of like the tennis aspect of things there's nowhere to hide there's not like you know you, you're just talking one-on-one you're gonna be vulnerable and i've done francis tiafo as well he's like one of the best tennis players in yeah. the states at the moment and he got really this is the first time like i've known him for like five to six years and he's never really opened up about his childhood and where you know i knew his dad was from Sierra Leone and had an incredibly hard upbringing. They were sleeping in janitor's closets. But this was the first time he really opened up about it. And I thought I was one of his closest friends. And then this episode he opened up about it and it was awesome. So mm. it just gives people another side to everyone's journey and, and everyone's got some serious struggles. Yeah, I think that's amazing, man. And we always do this before we uh, let our guests go. Uh, we ask them about their biggest pivot. You know, just a, a moment in life that helped get you to where we are now. It could be a negative moment that you had to learn a lesson from. It can be something positive that motivated you. But if you can point to one thing or a couple of things that have helped shaped you and are main or major reason you're sitting here, what would that be? I'll give you one, ne like one negative moment and then one, I think I'll start with the positive. My, the positive moment was, I guess, when I mended my relationship with my family. Because I, I fell out with my family for about a year and a half. You know, I wasn't speaking to them on a daily basis or weekly basis or anything. Just every now and then, not putting effort into any messages, not FaceTiming, not calling my mom or anything. And I think about what, like, I was such an idiot back then because the amount of stress I was causing on my family and, you know, going rogue and just doing things and making them worry. And then when I mended that relationship, that was probably a big turning point because then we're all on the same page they're like okay we know you're struggling now we can help you and support you and that was a big one because I didn't feel alone anymore I felt like okay my family's behind me they want to see me succeed and that was a big part of last year's success um, but a negative moment that kind of made me initially make that you know uh, transfer to try and be uh, good again was at Wimbledon I was I came home at like 9am from a night out and my dad, I was sleeping and I woke up, my dad was sitting next to me and he started crying and he was saying like, I'm concerned about your health, like I don't want to see you doing this, like you can't be doing this. And he was, and my dad never cries. Like we went to his dad's funeral, didn't shed a tear. He's always been the strong one in the family. And when he was breaking down in front of me there, that was a big moment for me personally. So that was a tough moment. But then that was like, okay, I can't, that was a little wake up call. And then three years later, here I am. Yeah, man, I think, you know, it's, and we say this a lot of times when we walk away from these conversations and we're like, he's so different or she's so different than what we thought. And we're like, so much better. Yeah. You know, and I think for, for us, man, you get the, the narratives that can be built around our worst moments. And those are the things people love to speak of. Those are the things that people point to, to try to say this is all a person can be. And so for you, man, I think it's amazing that you now go for walks. I think it's amazing that you now share your story but th because there are so many people who are wearing a mask of success as they're killing themselves. And so, man, I just appreciate you, bro. The best of luck. I know appreciate the show is going to be amazing. Uh, I know the booth, though, had to make you miss tennis a little bit. And so, and yeah. so we, we can't wait, man, for you to heal up and be back out there appreciate doing your thing. Appreciate that. Thank you. Appreciate Thanks, you, bro. Guys. Thank yes, you. sir. Thanks, guys. And appreciate I'm glad Volk didn't beat you up. Yeah. <laughs> he was we were walking up. Bit off more than he could chew on that. But one. first of all, he just told him. That's it's the funny. other thing. It's like here. Yeah, yeah, that's the other thing. You know it's what I mean? He's like a bowling ball. <laughs> <laughs> Young man. Thanks, bro. I appreciate you. Appreciate Thank you. you. Hold up. Limitless. Take a stomach cap, pinning it. I thought they here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On the mission, get me up.
Knowing me, I got the key. Only vision I can trust. Trust. Limitless. Niggas send me cow in it. I find a head to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, got me up.